Mark, you've been in the world of teaching uh, for a couple of decades now, teaching welding in particular. What have you seen? Uh, the world has obviously changed technologically in terms of welding, but in terms of teaching, what have you learned and what do you think the directions are going to be? Just the floor is yours. Tell us. Well, we, we talk about this a lot, you know, and, and again, the world of technology is changing. The machines have changed. The machines now have capabilities that we just never had 20 years ago. The issue that I see with it, though, is students and some instructors think that if they have an 18 or $25,000 welding machine, it's going to replace skill development. And so what I've seen recently is we talk about more high-tech stuff. We get more high-tech equipment. And as you know, with any teaching program, there's only so many hours that we get with these students. Right. So the question is always, well, what's the most important thing to teach in this amount of time? And what I see or what I'm seeing a lot of is these students think that, you know, a pulsation program is going to make them become a better welder faster. There's two problems with it. Um, a better golf club doesn't make you a better golfer. It enhances you. It can help you be a better golfer, but it doesn't take the place of skill development. Just like the virtual welding machines that everybody, everybody seems to be pushing and everybody that pushes them are people that don't weld. They can help increase the speed of the learning process. Absolutely. But they do not replace or take the place of anything as skill development wise. There's two components to welding, and that is skill development and theory. And you only get so far with either one of them. It seems as though nowadays we, we want to lean so much more towards theory and less on skill development, which I think is I think is the wrong way to go about it. You know, one of the other issues that we have that I've noticed in the last maybe six years of teaching is you know, I grew up, my father owned a restoration hot rod shop in our backyard for 30 years. So from the time I was five years old, it was, go get me this wrench, go get me this. We're going to change these wheels. We're going to do this. We're going to change the oil in the car, put an alternator, whatever. I am seeing now that students are coming into my classes at 18, 19 years old, and they have no background whatsoever. They're not the same students that we that we received 15 years ago. The only ones we see now that really have some sort of a background, and I mean literally able to accurately read a tape measure and how to use, you know, just general shop etiquette, how to use a grinder, how to use hand tools. It's, it's the kids that grew up on a farm. But I get a lot of them in my classes that they really, 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 really do not have any background experience, mechanical, anything. So at the same time, we're trying to go more high tech. We're trying to learn more things in less time, get them out there faster. They're not coming in with the with the basic fundamentals that they used to come into welding programs. Well, but that's that's a that's a convoluted reality of convoluted from the perspective of taxpayers don't want to pay more for schooling therefore and 
we want to test everybody on English and math. Therefore, they have to spend their time there rather than shop. Uh, mm-hmm. And then, uh, so that's one of the problems of the convolutions. And then the other one is we've been telling people for several decades now, uh, blue collar jobs are not the way to go. And it's getting a bachelor's degree and having a white collar job that is uh, the essence of being a successful person. So you get those two, you know, major. Uh, issues come together and of course your classroom is going to look like people like me filled with people like me Um, which which is a problem so but but so knowing that this is the world we're going to have for the decades to come unless we make different decisions state after state uh, district after district what do you do to get people learning with the learning sticking with them and then build on it to the next level so they become half decent. Because, yes, you're not a union apprenticeship, right? You only have them for this amount of time. Right. <clears throat> so I teach, I teach, this is, a, this is a four-year bachelor's degree in welding engineering that I teach in. And we're kind of an anomaly because we are the biggest, oldest welding engineering program in the country. We have uh, just about exactly 100% job placement. The starting salaries are crazy. We doubled the size of the program four years ago. When Five years ago, when I came over here, we still have 60 to 70 students on a waiting list. So it's a robust program. We, we don't have any problem with students borrowing money to get a four-year degree because they have 99% of them have jobs, very good jobs, before they even graduate. But what I think the problem, or not necessarily the problem, but how we, how we focus more on that is just to realize that, as you said earlier, what we've been teaching for the last 25 years in welding isn't going to work anymore because we have a different student. So instead of jumping forward, you know, I heard it put the other day by a, um, I do internship visits around the country in the summertime. And I talked with this guy that was in a tier one automotive business for 45 years. And he said, make sure that you tell your young engineers that the shop floor welders don't come here because they're here. They come here because the floor welders are here. And there's always the disconnect between the engineer and the shop floor welder. So for young people, I think the biggest thing is the biggest thing that I try to do that I really, really make an attempt to do is let them and show them that information that they cannot apply to anything is just information. So it doesn't have as much value as things that they learn that they're going to apply to their job every day. I think, you know, a lot of times I think that we need to just slow down a little bit, hurry up and slow down and go back and master the fundamentals. I, I have students can tell you all about asymmetric sine waves and pulsation and, and frequency adjustment. They can talk about it competently, but they have a real hard time doing it in the lab because they don't really understand it. They've learned the theory of it but they haven't been able to apply that to something. And that's what I do. I teach fabrication classes. We build, you know, 
this last this last semester we built 54 projects and it's they're crazy projects anywhere from smokers to trailers to you know anything uh, artwork for the community we build all kinds of stuff and they figure out real quick that theory is in in math and formulas is very good but it doesn't always work there's other ways to do it without that that are sometimes just as accurate much quicker and easier to do i it's i have a i heard this the other days so here it's a it's a I, and i fall, fell in love with this uh this um comment and, and it was called analysis paralysis so that student that comes to you very proficient in math yet technically yep. uh, uh math and engineering and maybe drafting yet uh <clears throat> having technical skills how does she or he compare with somebody who has technical skills but has a gap on the theoretical and mathematical and engineering uh, side. And how do we get them? Because we're going to be in your well, classroom. They, yeah, there's no doubt about it. And I have, I have all of them all the way across the board. And, you know, that's the, the same old thing with welding. You know, everybody learns it at a different pace. Mm -hmm. Some people pick it up immediately. Some people have to do it 250 times and then, and then the light bulb clicks. Theory, though, and I was one of those welders. I was a very skillful welder when I was a young person, but I didn't understand welding theory at all. And so it took me a long time to figure out the connection between the two. How do, how do we get that connection faster with young people? You know, I think we get them involved and make it somewhat interesting for them. So, so, for example, if you're in a room of high schoolers and you start talking about electrical theory, they're going to fall asleep. But if you start with, um, you know, a project, a bike or a car or a boat or something that they can immediately relate to in their life, a, a custom skateboard, I don't care what it is, but something that's relatable and that goes, you know, it kind of goes in line with application again. If it's just information and you can't apply it, then it's just information. We can go learn information the rest of our lives. If you can't do anything with it, what value does it have? So I don't know. It's a tough task. I mean, you know, they cut this stuff out of the high schools many, many years ago, about the time I finished high school. And, uh, and I think, you know, that was a huge, huge, huge mistake because the students, many students that didn't grow up like me with a dad in a shop in their backyard did get some of that stuff in high school. And even if they were in a wood shop, they still learned shop etiquette and they learned how to clean up and they learned, you know, that's a big saw. Don't put your finger in there. But some of them are now are just coming in straight off the street because they know they know that if they can make it through our program, which is not an easy program to make it through, it's a very robust program, the end result is it's phenomenal. I mean, they're pretty much guaranteed a great paying job. So, so Ferris State, where you're at, uh, is, is, is renowned uh, for the welding engineering program in addition to the welding technology. But in the world of welding, you see, uh, you can't open YouTube and, and not get 
an ad for some private a school that teaches that and you know they're all accelerated they all guarantee you jobs what do you what do you say to youth when you're talking to them about why to come to you versus those well the, the big difference between us is when you go to a private school or an apprenticeship you know, we, we don't necessarily train welders. The, the, the welding technology degree is a two-year degree that focuses on welding and fabrication. But 85, 90% of our students that do that two-year degree go on to the four-year degree. And the difference being, you know, I've, I've always said this because I, I paint on the side, right? I've always been a painter, an automotive painter. And I say, you know, there's all kinds of painters. Everybody's a painter. Some guys paint a fence post. Some guys paint interiors in homes. Some guys do automotive paint and some guys paint $50 million Gulf streams. They are not the same painters. They are not painting the same thing. It's kind of like welders. Welders a welder. It's not. It's all directly related to your knowledge and skill level, how much money you're going to make. So why you would come to Ferris is you know, the starting salary, the average salary of our students that come out of here would take you a very long time to match in your first year out of school, even as an apprentice. Um, that that's that's the biggest thing. And that's why we're we're so successful, because we have such a relationship with our, our companies that we work with, which are GM and Ford and John Deere, and Northrop Grumman and SpaceX and, you know, Caterpillar. We have students, almost a thousand graduates around the country at all all the Fortune 100 fabrication companies. There's a lot of ways to make a lot of money in welding, um, but our program focuses on engineering, which is which is it's it's um, it is in my opinion it's if you want to go down that road and do the work, it is pretty much a guarantee. So, so you, somebody fresh, knowing very little, if any, uh, technological uh, know-how, how do you develop an educational plan for them so they end up in four, five, six years with a degree and a competence that you would think are exactly what you expect from somebody how, how do you how do you fathom it because each individual is going to be different but what is your basic premise so my personally my idea is and what i do is a competency-based education so there's a lot of classes and a lot of schools as you know i've taught at a lot of different schools a lot of different ways and they say okay this is what we're doing this today and you have that long to learn it, or this is what we're doing this week. And by the end of the week, we're moving on to something else. And that's just not my theory. My theory is you have to be competent. So my classes are based on if there's, if there's 25 competencies that you need to achieve, everyone you do achieve is, is a high grade because you get it to a professional level. You might not finish every competency, so the difference between an A and a B would be 
an A student finishes every competency to a high level, a B student finishes all of them but three, but all of the ones that they finish are to that same level. So when I drive over that bridge, it's not going to fall under me. Under me. And and we you know we put great faith in the companies and the people that the ones that uh, didn't reach those last competencies aren't the one welding on the bridge. 